And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Spin Rate presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. That's right, this is Spin Rate, the Athletics Blue Jays podcast uh, for now until. Well, until the Blue Jays cease to be, then we'll probably won't do a podcast anymore. And uh, you know what? I think that's a fair trade, if you <laughs> ask me. It was a bit of a grim, grim weekend in Blue Jays land. The highlight of the weekend, uh, a home run hit by the opposition designated hitter. Uh, yeah, it was a terrible weekend for the Blue Jays fans, for Blue Jays and for Blue Jays fans. And there's no better person to talk to it about, for me to talk to, about the Blue Jays weekend, me being a Forestry Fair service. I'm one of the hosts of, of Spin Rate. And the other host, co-host, she joins me from her home, which is a long walk from St. George Station, <laughs> Caitlin McGrath. Caitlin, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a little tired because I had to walk home from St. George Station. But other than that, other than my feet being in great pain from my walk in not sensible shoes, Always listen to your mom when she says, when you're leaving the house, those aren't sensible shoes. I'm sorry, mom. I was not wearing sensible shoes. They weren't even that bad. I mean, I didn't expect to walk like an hour. So it wasn't really my fault. Anyway. The Torah, the TTC let Caitlin down a little bit tonight. <laughs> just like the Blue Jays let all of their fans down. The, no, I didn't let them down. It was just a game that, that inexplicably went not their way. The most routine play to the most sure-handed second baseman, some might say, in all of baseball. <laughs> uh, and then it was just a weird random noodle arm thing, and poor Vlad couldn't dig it out. And now here we are. Many extra innings, many pitchers used, many souls crushed. Uh, it was a really rough weekend for the Toronto Blue Jays. And if you want to read, if you want to listen to this show, we thank you for that. We thank you for dialing up spin rate. Uh, whether you subscribe to The Athletic or not, of course, you can subscribe to the show on uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. S- search us up, as they say, and uh, subscribe. But if you do subscribe to The Athletic or you want to supl- subscribe to The Athletic because you want to read what Caitlin tried to make sense of this weekend, you want to read all of everything. If you subscribe, you get every single writer under the umbrella. doesn't matter if they write about the Blue Jays, if they write about <laughs> prospects, if they write about basketball, you can get them all. So you can go to theathletic.com slash spin rate, sign up. That way they know that we sent you. And that way they know that people are still listening to this, even though the Blue Jays are happily just pissing away the 2021 season. But, Caitlin, let's start on Sunday. Again, just a debacle. A debacle of an ending to a game that seemed well within hand. The Blue Jays did not score as many runs as they should have against former Blue Jay Drew Hutchison. They weren't able to get at the uh, the Tigers' bullpen. 
and a double, and then what? An error. Again, the most routine of routine plays to shorts to, to second baseman Marcus Simeon, who we've been talking about how much money he's going to get as a strong defensive middle infielder and, and strong, outstanding offensive player who hit multiple home runs uh, this weekend. And yet here there he is, just on the wrong end of a bad throw. Caitlin, what do you think about uh, the Blue Jays against the Detroit Tigers? Yeah, it was not a good weekend for the Blue Jays offense. Honestly, specifically the offense. And yes, for the ninth inning, the defense um, in that one particular play. But actually one thing that I noticed was the defense played quite well on Sunday, which was kind of the cruel irony of it is that they were playing pretty good defense. Um, They weren't scoring runs. Their pitching was you know, as amazing as you could have asked for their ERA over those three games for the starters was 0.86. Robbie mm. Ray, Robbie Ray allowed one run. Hunjin Ryu allowed zero runs. Um, and Robbie Ray allowed, sorry, uh, Steven Matz allowed one run as well. It was the uh, Cabrera home run, but it was just one run and you got the exact starting pitching performances that you needed, especially after on the road trip, their starting pitching was not very sharp. Um, and that was actually letting them down a little bit. The bullpen overall was fine in, I don't know if you call it this, but in regulation time, <laughs> um, you know, through one innings, whatever they came in, like from the, I guess, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning on, they were fine. Like, they weren't the issue. Um, it was in the extra innings. They couldn't hold it down. But you, you, the offense, the offense went one for 31 with runners in scoring position the entire series. Is that good? Uh, it doesn't seem good to me. Maybe and, I'm wrong. And well, miraculously, it was almost good enough to get them two wins. Because, <laughs> because Lourdes Gurriel's juniors one hit with runners in scoring position came on Sunday when they needed one run and they got it to go ahead and they were one out away from a win from winning the series against the Tigers, which they had to do. And they did not do that. And they did not do that. No, no, they did not. And I mean, the thing is that from, from like a narrative point of view, it actually was kind of pretty easy to sum up what happened this series. The offense went cold. Like the hitters didn't hit. That's what happened. Like you, you had everything else and it's somewhat cliche and it's something that maybe happens from time to time. But to me, it seems very apparent that the Blue Jays have had not very many points this season, runs this season where all elements of the roster are clicking together. And so it seems especially cruel that this weekend um, it was the offense that let the team down a little bit because it's been one of the strongest offenses all season. And you're facing a team in the Tigers, which I don't, you know, the Tigers are rebuilding their way into being a good, respectable team again. They're, they're not like sort of the, the, the Baltimore Orioles. Like they're not like the laughing stock or anything like that. Like they're, a, they're a good team. Like they're getting mm-hmm. better. Like they're not, but the blue Jays should be able to beat them. And the offense should be able to score on the three pitchers that they sent out there this weekend. And they couldn't get it done. 
They, yeah, you, you've made a, a, I agree with a lot of the points that you've said. The number one, the Tigers aren't bad. I think I heard Ben Wagner on the radio say today that other than April, they've eff- effectively been a 500 team. In April, yeah. they, were, they were awful. And since then, they've been about 500. Um, the Blue Jays benefited or should have benefited from the fact that they kind of ran up against the ass end of the Tigers rotation. They didn't have to face any of the big guys. They didn't get, uh, Casey Mize. They didn't get, uh, uh, Tark, uh, Scooble. Tark, Tariq, I'm not sure how that gentleman's name is pronounced. Um, they didn't have to face some of those better better arms that, that the Tigers are able to run out there. And the Blue Jays still weren't able to capitalize. And the offense has been, um, the Blue Jays' offense has been just bad. Bad in August, um, you know, or bad of late in particular. It's, it's so funny since the last Sunday home game, uh, had a, left fans with a little bit of a different taste in their mouth than this uh, time last Sunday that the Blue Jays played at home. Of course, the last game would have been with George Springer's huge home run against the Boston Red Sox. Um, just an enormous moment and one that made everything feel possible for Blue Jays and Blue Jays fans before they, of course, then went out west and had a hell of a time. And now here we are. And they are scuffling and struggling the offense is is just not able to come up with the timely hit it's a bunch of clustery clustered bad luck coupled i think with uh the injuries as you described of course they don't have george springer which makes a big difference they don't even have Kevin biggio who is still in the minor leagues on a very now extended uh, rehab stint as they sort of want to get him right before they bring him up so the blue jays aren't able to score and then that leads to the thing, I, I kind of want to leave Sunday's game a little bit for a second. Uh, what happened or failed to happen is, is, is obvious. They just didn't capitalize. They had good hitters up in good situations and nothing was able to come from it. They hit into how, I think they hit into four double plays on, was it four double plays on Sunday? Just seemed like they hit into a hundred double plays all weekend long. But the offensive struggles have led to the worst things that can happen, which is when, a major league manager decides that they need to do some managing and they need to get, get tinkering in there. And we got them. We're not scoring runs. So we better manufacture some runs. And it resulted in truly one of the most perplexing things I've ever seen happen in baseball uh, at the big league level, watching the big league game. I'm of course talking about Friday night, ninth inning. Blue Jays need to score a run to win the game. They send Alejandro Kirk to the plate. Well, he was due up. Alejandro mm-hmm. Kirk is a good offensive player. That's his whole fucking thing. And then the manager, Charlie Montoyo, decides to pinch hit for Alejandro Kirk, bringing in Brayek Valera, whose job it is was to bunt. And I just can't even believe... I mean... If it worked, I would still be like, that is a head-scratching decision. But, of course, it didn't work because everybody in the ballpark knew what he was there to do, including first baseman Jonathan uh, Scope, who was basically standing beside the pitcher waiting for a bunt that he fielded, made a nice play, and a strong throw to third base to get the lead runner, whatever. Long story short, the Blue just didn't score. Just a truly baffling choice. Now, I'm sure that you on Twitter and on places like that are probably sick to death of the blame Charlie Montoyo um, mantra. I, I am not here to say that, that we've discussed this before, you and I, 
that I, that the Blue Jays lineup and some of the Blue Jays late late and close struggles and the, some of the bullpen struggles, you can probably lay some blame in the bullpen and maybe the way the bullpen has been deployed at the feet of the manager. But I uh, the word we kept using last week was it's a design problem, right? The Blue Jays lineup is flawed. It's a it, it, they can score runs in bunches, but they are vulnerable in certain situations. So I don't, I'm not here to say fire Montoyo. I'm not here to say that he is the reason that they are underperforming in close games, that he's the reason that they're on the outside looking in for the playoffs. But that decision in it of itself was one of the worst I can remember. And I don't think that that makes him, you know, disqualified from, from the job, but I will not forget that choice. I will always think about it and like shake my head and just be really surprised and disappointed and and can't help but i don't know i'm not i don't there's no need to draw any larger conclusions or trying to connect it to a larger narrative it was a dumb fucking thing to do and it didn't cost them the game but it definitely cost them a chance to win the game send the guy up there let him swing the bat that's his whole deal the pitcher can't throw a strike just let him swing the bat didn't work out they lost the game in the end they didn't lose because of that decision but they had a chance to win and it did not go their way and I, I waited. How long have we been talking? I can't believe I waited this long to, uh, to get to this thing. It, it, it's been like eating away at me. I'm like, why did this happen? Why? Why, Caitlin? Why did this happen on Friday night? Did your meltdown extend into Saturday morning? A little bit. A little bit. There was, I, I had to attend a youth soccer game. I was there in my jeans in the sun paying my penance for my rolling series of meltdowns. Uh, yeah, no, it was like... I just couldn't believe it. And, did, you, and the, hmm? did you wait? Did you wake up and think, "No, it was a terrible dream. That didn't really happen." No, I was at, I'm like the guy who's out walking his dog at like six, seven, fifteen in the morning now. So I'm mm. already like regretting and uh, my many of my life choices. So when I'm out there with the dog, I'm like, "Hey, pancakes the dog. Would you have pinch hit for Alejandro Kirk?" <laughs> and I don't think that pancakes the dog would have done that. But here we are. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first. Check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I will say that, like, you're right that I constantly hear uh, Twitter users and commenters and just all kinds of different people that say they want the manager fired. And that, honestly, I think happens with all teams. I don't necessarily, like, follow every team, but I know that in July or whenever it was, like, you know, Aaron Boone was managing his last game for the Yankees and he's still around. So, like, it happens, like... 
when a team is really scuffling or when a team you feel is really underperforming or whatever it may be, a lot of um, fault lies at the manager because it's just an easier person to blame when, you know, it's harder to say, you know, trade all these players or release all these players or anything like that. Like that's unrealistic. Get better so, players. <laughs> yeah. So, but I will say just me noticing um, Friday, it seemed to reach a new level of anger towards Montoyo, maybe because it was such a head scratching play. It was such a baffling play for all the reasons that you described. Um, not just the, not just Alejandro Kirk being the better hitter, um, but also just the situation that was on was available is that it could have also been a scenario where a hitter like Kirk could have easily walked and then you're sort of achieving an equally good thing as a hit um, by uh, getting another guy on base and bringing, I guess, Randall Gritchuk up to the plate with no out um, and bases loaded. Like there's a lot of different scenarios that could have played out and you know, one thing obviously that Montoyo said afterwards to sort of, um, I don't know, defend the decision or explain the decision, I guess, was the thinking that they weren't scoring that game and they had to, as you said, manufacture a run. And I know talking to somebody, you know, then you make the point of that past actions don't necessarily dictate future actions in a baseball game, right? And so the fact that the Blue Jays hadn't hit up to that point didn't mean that they were not going to hit with Alejandro Kirk, who had one of the few hits of that game of the Blue Jays. He had one of the hardest hit balls of that game. I believe it was a double. It was a a close play in left field. I think the fielder dove for it, but missed it. it. But, you know, it was a pretty sharp double anyway. So that to me is, you know, I can, I can see the logic um, of, or maybe not the logic, but I can just, I can see how Charlie Montoyo explained it and explained his thinking. But I would say that I am in your camp where I would have preferred to have Alejandro Kirk up there and just live and die with the better hitter. With the better hitter. And, and, and again, and I think it was a, it was a good matchup too. Because Alejandro Kirk is 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 a, is a good hitter, and he also has control of the strike zone, right? We have you don't see Alejandro Kirk looking bad too often at the plate, and the pitcher uh, Soto Juan Soto I can't remember not not Juan Soto uh, <laughs> Soto Gregory Soto yeah uh, I, yeah he, he had was really struggling with his command mm-hmm. so and he throws hard I think those are all sort of things that work in the advantage of a hitter like Kirk versus you know and then I. I Montoya was like, Valera's got to get the bunt to the third base side. But like, that's easier said than done. He throws 100 miles an hour. Like, that's a tough situation. You're pushing this guy in. And then you make him bunt with two strikes. All those sorts of things. Uh, it was just a really, like, a, it's a really puzzling decision. And again, it didn't, it didn't cost them the game, right? You could, you could definitely, I think that decision has overshadowed the, the past ball slash yeah. wild pitch. When, when speaking of bad decisions, you know, Alejandro Kirk, uh, was behind the plate, dropping down to one knee, catching Robbie Ray. It was a slider down in the zone um, that Kirk uh, just couldn't get to. And then it, it squirts through his legs or gets cleanly through his legs. And then uh, the tying run scores. Uh, there was that launched another round of discourse. You know, Joe <laughs> Siddle was mad, big mad on the, on the, on the broadcast talking about he hates and disgusting, disgusting down on one knee, trying to frame up the pitch, which 
you know, is, is, is an interesting, um, uh, choice of words, but that's, a, that's a bit of a lack of situational awareness, I think, because if that, that runner on third is, is, is perhaps more important than the strike, um, you know, you'll see Kirk in other situations not go down to one knee, depending on the pitch that maybe has been called or when there was a situation where he threw that there was a steal attempt at second base and uh, Kirk wasn't down on the one knee. He was in a more traditional squat, which is like maybe bust that squat out when the tying run is 90 feet away and the guy on the, on the mound throws like 50-50 sliders and fastballs. But those are the kind of little things that that the Blue Jays don't have the the mirror, the window or the uh, buffer to ha- to to fuck up. Right, and, and and just also to the point, like the Blue Jays shouldn't be in situations where they have to win one nothing games. Like again, in that in that same game, they were zero for twelve with runners in scoring position. I think that game they hit into four double plays, three of which were inning ending, and they left like I don't know how many they left on base, but they left a lot on base. I can't remember that number, but um. You know, that's, I mean, it's, it's hard to lay fault even at Robbie Ray or, or Kirk in that situation. Cause it's like, you know, Robbie Ray threw eight innings, like no, no Blue Jay starter has thrown eight innings since 2019 when Marcus Stroman did it in April. You know, it was probably Robbie Ray's one of his best starts of the year. Like it was just, it was just kind of unfortunate that, that all of this stuff was happening at the same series. And, and, you know, the solution to it was just, hitters get some hits here and cash in some runs. And that's something that we've seen the Blue Jays do reliably most of the season. In fact, before that road trip, I think the Blue Jays were the best offensive team with runners in scoring position. Like they had the best average or, you know, best numbers Mm -hmm. at converting. And it's obviously that, that road trip, we saw them run into a lot of issues um, also with runners in scoring position. And that's obviously carried over into this homestand to the point where I don't act, I didn't actually look at what their number is and if how, how far they've dropped in that category. Um, but I assume they're probably not the best anymore after this stretch here. Look, what, what I think is that there are two different issues at play, right? The late and close issue is, is one that I, again, I, I firmly believe that the Blue Jays very right handed, uh, rather free swinging, uh, a lot of swing and miss style of hitter, which again, you got Bichette, Simeon, uh, Hernandez, Guriel, even Kirk, Grichik, all, and then even like Santiago Espinal, uh, to a lesser extent, those guys all qualify as that, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's not the only, who has an, like Teoscar Hernandez is, has a, I believe it slightly or no, he's below, he has a below average walk rate, right? Nobody on this team, they're not, they don't get paid to walk. That's not what they're here for. Vlad walks, Vlad is, you know, strikes out not a lot, but that I think so. The late and close thing is 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 a, is a product of that. The running and scoring scoring position thing is more of just like a when they when they were scoring tons of runs, they were getting lots of hits and scoring in in those situations because they're in runners on score positions because they were getting lots of hits all the time. Mm-hmm. And now the offense is 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 has come down to earth in, in of late, and these opportunities have been uh, are being magnified, especially because they're not hitting uh, the ball over the fence in the way that they were. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are, that's a great way to score a bunch of runs and get hits with, with runners in scoring position, hit it over the fence. And then you don't have to worry about whether or not this, the rookie catcher that you, that did got dragged up from double from high A last year, um, is down on one knee when he's trying to, when he should be trying to block the plate. Or you don't have to worry about the manager inexplicably calling for a, a, an asinine bunt attempt, like, or whether or not the, the 
the the all-star, you know, MVP candidate, guy about to get paid a hundred million dollars decides he needs to noodle arm a throw from like a from like 110 feet or not even like 75 feet away. Uh that you your 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 point that you made earlier, I agree hundred percent. Like they shouldn't be in these situations, but they are. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing that's gonna cost them a great opportunity presented a initially by the starting rotator you know this part of the season the starting rotation has given them gifts they've given them unbelievable gifts one after another ryu comes out just was so good robbie ray unbelievable making himself so much money even steven matz right we you and i spoke about this not that long ago look steven matz pitching for his job Pitching pretty fucking well right now. This is this one's gotten. We're, I'm trying to count how many like <laughs> bad words we've re- record f bombs. I you not- set the tone. You set the tone before we started to record. You were like throwing them left and right. You know, Caitlin McGrath, uh, consummate professional, wouldn't do it on the podcast. But uh, <laughs> when she's describing her her frustrations, you know, they were flowing free. You got me all <laughs> riled up. Um, but anyway, <sighs> they shouldn't be like this, but it is. It- and and now the now the hill to climb is very tall. It's, it's fr- like, I feel for the players if they are feeling frustrated because I imagine that it's, it's tough to, um, have these situations where, you know, for two months, the bullpen was really struggling and, and giving wins right away. And the offense were scoring like, you know, seven runs or eight runs and they were losing nine, eight or whatever it may be. Like those <laughs> were situations that were happening. And then the starting pitching, I think, has really come together the last, um, couple uh months or it's basically been a non-issue i think since like may or so whenever stripling kind of righted himself a little bit and they've been pretty consistent and then you had that road trip where the starters just weren't quite as sharp as they had usually been and then the offense started to slow down and it just feels like they just have had so few opportunities this year where they've been clicking on all cylinders and so even though i'm saying that the narrative was very simple this weekend like the offense didn't come through i almost feel bad like laying the blame at the offense because for the better part of this whole entire season the offense has been excellent like the, it's it's hard to say well you know the blue jays offense isn't coming through it's like well they've been they've been so good almost all season that it's kind of understandable that they're going to scuffle a little bit like that's going to happen teams are going to have bad stretches like teams are going to have a, a stretch where they go three and seven which the Blue Jays have done over these last 10 games like that's going to happen even good teams that happens to good teams it's just like it's happening to the Blue Jays at a really inopportune time it's happening in a very frustrating way where it's like they're getting a few things working here and then other things aren't working it would almost be easier if like everything was just breaking down um and maybe that was kind of the road trip I think there's a lot happening on the road trip which wasn't going right but this series I think in particular is just frustrating because the pitching really did figure itself out and you had two or three sorry really excellent performances from your starters bullpen was fine and you know it was the offense that couldn't come through but it's it, it just feels frustrating because um I wouldn't ever say well you know if if the bougies don't make the playoffs it's it's really not going to come down to one area um necessarily I think bullpen it's probably going to skew a little more towards the bullpen because of how long they struggled for and how sort of unpredictable and unreliable they have been over the large portions of this season but I think also when we pull back at the end of the season regardless of what happens like there's going to be a a collective of things that really didn't go right for this team there are only so many things you can control in a baseball game and in a baseball season right they play 162 baseball games which are a very, very 
a group of weird actions where a round bat hits a round ball and guys have to come up in an order. You can't for that's that's the big thing we talk about and the difference between sports and the reason the angels are a joke is because they can't make Shohei Otani come up to bat more often than they have to send everybody else up. They can't make Mike Trout hit when the game is on the line. The problem for the Blue Jays right now is that the player who is the number one offensive driver of the entire team in that he is the best or second best or third best or best offensive player in the game right now is not himself. And the Blue Jays, if you said you're in a tight game against the worst team, you have the chance to get Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to come up with two runners on in the seventh inning in a tie game. Would you do it? And you would you would love that. They're like, that's ideal. We get Vlad up two on, we score a couple, off you go. Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. comes up in the bottom of the seventh inning and flies out to end the game, to end the inning. And then he comes up in the bottom of the ninth inning with the winning run on first base and him, you know, in scoring position in the in the batter's box as he is. Doesn't get, doesn't, isn't able to, uh, isn't able to to um, to do it it's, again. Grounds out on the first pitch, which again, that's that's who he is. You, you're not going to tell Vladimir Guerrero Jr. not to swing at the first pitch, but then it doesn't work. And then again, you, he comes up with the runner on third base. He's the tying run in the bottom of the eleventh inning. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Again, you if you drew it up, you'd be like, and then in a perfect world, you know that was the whole thing when we when the when they shuffled the lineup and there was talk about Vlad should hit second, like let him hit more. Optimize your opportunities to score by getting Vlad up with people on base, and and then he didn't he wasn't able to uh, to deliver. And it's like it's not that he's not trying. It's not that he's not the right guy. It's just like the timing didn't work. And it, right now he's not the guy that he was for the first four hundred plate appearances of the year, and that's okay. He still ha- he still has an OPS over a thousand, right? Which is still ridiculous. Still having an incredible season. He's still going to finish second, well, probably second in the MVP race in the American League. But you give a guy, you give the best hitter in baseball three chances to win you the game, and he and he can't do it. Like you're not going to win. That that's you're really up against it. And and Vlad struggles. Bo struggles. You know the rest of the lineup. It's uh, it's just inopportune timing. Timing. It's just not the thing that the Blue Jays needed to happen. And yet that's it's exactly what's happening and then and 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 again bad luck you look at the the runs that trevor richards gave up um was that friday just like the little bloop over the one head and nothing was really hit hard and the goofy Mm -hmm. automatic runner you can't fault trevor richards or adam simber who's who's had a couple bad outings and and it's like he's still pitching better than he has in his entire career he was he was having a good year and now he's having an even better year since he came to Toronto. But like he's not perfect. He's not going to have a zero point zero zero ERA. I, I guess maybe Caitlin, what do you think is this kind of clustered bad luck? Maybe something that you think it, then if you're the Blue Jays, you just keep doing what you're doing and maybe it can t- get turned around a little bit more quickly in seek in, in search of optimism. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you can really do um, when all the hitters look like they're pressing a little bit or trying a little bit too hard or everyone's just tired or fatigued and everyone's just kind of slumping a little bit. I mean, 
I I don't know really what you do. Like you could mix up the lineup a little bit, but Charlie already did that a few days ago by putting Bo in the leadoff spot, right? And Simeon's hitting number two and Vlad's hitting number three now. And so they've mixed things up and um, I'm not sure that they have any other sort of cards to play right now. I think it's part of it, I think is a waiting game to see how quickly George Springer can get back to see like, other guys coming back, not that like Danny Jansen, not that he's going to, you know, lift the offense because obviously he's struggled a little bit offensively, but it's also just a different guy in there. And, and Danny Jansen can sometimes put up pretty lengthy at bats and like pretty good at bats and he'll get some walks sometimes or he'll see a lot of pitches and stuff like that. So perhaps it's sort of, but also you, I don't think they have too, too much more time where they can just kind of waste away a week here waiting for some sparks to get back into their lineup. Like they sort of have to spark themselves a little bit. And it's interesting because when they won on Saturday, um, you know, one of the questions that came up or one of the points that came up after the game was like, does, can this be a win that sparks you guys? Or can this be something that turns things around a little bit because it was like a great outing by Ryu and you had mm-hmm. Randall Gritchek, um have it hit a home run and then Simeon hit a home run. So, you know, two of your guys hit for power. And so, you know, everything went right. I think Jordan Romano pitched in that game. And I think it was Mesa in that game as well. They were both excellent in their innings. And so you couldn't have drawn it up even better. You got a really simplistic kind of win there. And it almost looked like it did spark things a little bit because at least Sunday they were in the position to win. Obviously you couldn't have asked for a more deflating way to see that slip away. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't get the sense that the blue Jays are feeling too down on themselves because they just tend to carry themselves very confidently. And I think they still believe that at this point being, I think four and a half games back, it's still doable. And I mean, I've looked ahead at the schedule and I've written this and mapped this out and like mathematically, um, not even just mathematically, I mean, just there was opportunity there. Like there's still three games against the A's left. There's seven games against the Yankees left. There's a lot of games against the Baltimore Orioles left. Like there's a lot of games um, where they can either control their fate against teams they're chasing a little bit or also just potentially win against teams that they should beat and also we're going to say that with the obvious caveat that yes we've just seen them lose two of three to the um tigers and we've seen them lose two to the nationals so obviously just a team under 500 doesn't equal automatic win but you would hope the blue jays could figure it out against a team like the baltimore orioles so you know i don't know i i think that this series against Chicago White Sox will really be a big test because they're a good team. They're a tough team. They're going to play the Blue Jays pretty tough. If you can match up well with them, if your pitchers continue to pitch really well, and honestly, the Blue Jays pitchers have been just really good in Toronto. Like if you look at the last home stand, they were excellent basically except for one Ryu start and they were excellent these three games. So if the Blue Jays pitchers can continue rolling at home and they can kind of go toe to toe with Chicago and you just hope that maybe you get a spark. I mean, Bo had three hits today. Um, you know, maybe he sparks a little bit. Maybe Simeon, you have redemption Simeon game tomorrow or something like that. And he kind of, <laughs> he kind of sparks the offense a little bit. Like, I don't know that there's an easy solution. I don't think mixing up the lineup. I, I mean, maybe Kevin Biggio comes back relatively soon, but I still think he's, probably got a few more games left in him at the AAA level just to like make sure he he really works it out. I think he I think he was off on Sunday. I don't think he played in Buffalo on Sunday, so I'm not sure 
what's happening there. But um, yeah. And oh, and the other thing we should mention is like, not that this is hitting related, but I, I do have a suspicion that we could be seeing Nate Pearson soon, hopefully, if he's healthy. Um, mm-hmm. they made a, they made a point of saying he was going to pitch on Sunday in Buffalo, which he did. He pitched one inning. He gave up a home run, but he had, had a strikeout as well. And that was the only damage he gave up. And uh, so I would assume if he's feeling good, like feeling healthy after that, like, I don't know that they want to see much more from him at the AAA level. They might just decide to bring him up and give him a, a next test in the major league. So maybe something like that is also like, could be a difference or just provide a spark to the team, like seeing Nate Pearson back and seeing him throw a, 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 a one inning or something. If it's really dominant, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just reaching here and I don't know what the blue Jays do, <laughs> but look, they've got to try and do something. They've got to try and do something. So, so I don't disagree. I think that the injuries have pressed their depth in a way that these games against Washington and Detroit in particular, you, you mentioned pressing, you mentioned, you know, we've t- talked about Bo Bichette dealing with the contusions and, you know, following those balls off. Um, there seems to be a kind of consensus that Vlad is looking a little bit tired, maybe a little, you know, up on his feet. That was the, the line that Wagner used today because he's been on base more than anybody in baseball. Uh, and a lot of times standing out there, you know, taking leads and running hard. And I mean, if, if you're looking for reasons why, maybe why he could be fading here in August, um, say the Blue Jays win the first two games of this series, you can then give Vlad a day off on Sunday. But they didn't. They lost Friday night, and then they won Saturday. But you want to, you need those games. So the the rest for the Bichettes and the Guerreros, um, you, you know, that maybe they don't necessarily want, but you as a team know that they need. It gets a little bit harder to, to make those decisions, to, to give guys a day when they might need it, Um when when every game is a must win or you you put yourself in a position where like oh a lose a loss against the tigers or or you know when you're in there when you're out you're in tough against chicago so you got to make sure you put your a line up out there because you got to try and win these games so it's just uh like a kind of like a, it's so it just builds and builds and builds where bad losses and bad performance puts that extra pressure on now you can't give a guy a day off so you because you need to win these games. So now they're still out there. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's an excuse, but that's something that I think about that there, I, if I was, if it was me, I would be looking for opportunities to give those guys an extra day here or there, but you can't cause you can't afford to take any more losses. So the Chicago will be interesting. I don't think the, they don't, they didn't play particularly well against the Rays. Uh, I don't believe this weekend. So the White Sox have uh they have a bit to prove. And again, if you want to, if you're looking for a team that's, that's trying to say we're not a figment of our terrible division and our soft schedule. Um, but uh, the White Sox are a tough matchup no matter what, no matter what. And I don't know if you've, if you, I, I spoke to Kevin Kaduck of the Midway Minute this week in the, in the, in the, in the midweek podcast, we talked about the White Sox. We had a great chat. So if you haven't listened to that one, go back and check it out. So what are you looking forward to this weekend, Caitlin, against the White Sox week against the White Sox? I mean, that's a, that's a good test, and then it's back to the divisional play, I guess. Right after that, um, isn't it? Or is it Oakland? I'm all confused. They, don't they go? I think they go back to Detroit. Oh, you're weekend. right. Of course, of course. I've met, uh, so you know, maybe another opportunity to get right. But we, as as we've seen last week, can't look past anybody. So Chicago, another game against Detroit in Detroit. More spin rate coming up right after. 
these words from our sponsors. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Oh, so this, we, should, we should say, we haven't said it, shout out to Miguel Cabrera, who had his 500th Ooh. home run. That was a nice nice piece of hitting, too. You don't think he's got it in him. That was like a change-up that was a well off the plate. wasn't exactly, it wasn't high, you know, it was up, but it wasn't like a belly-high, you know, piece of, you know, cookie. So uh, it was great. I, 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 there's been some people who have said stuff, you know, Tigers folks, and I really think that the Blue Jays fans did a, did a great thing by giving him a standing ovation. They seem really, the fans in attendance seem really enthusiastic. It was cool to see, uh, you know, Miguel Cabrera, obviously one of the great, greatest of all time and a guy who, you know, kind of turned his life and his career around at a time where it could have been, um, could have gone in another direction and, uh, and made himself a whole big pile of money. He does not look like himself these days, but he looked like it for, like, uh, like it for that one swing, uh, a bit of a vintage Miggy. So this is a cool moment in an otherwise Dog shit day at the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dog water. Dog water. That game was dog water. That's what you're supposed to say. But anyway, oh. I don't know. What do you think about the White Sox? You got you got ideas. You got stories. You're gonna write with James. I don't know James, that James right? is. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's coming. I'm not sure if he's coming. I would doubt it. Um, hmm. There was actually quite a few Detroit writers here this weekend. I think because they were just following the Cabrera 500 Makes tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It hasn't been a lot of visiting writers coming to Toronto because it's a complicated process to get in here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the Cabrera home run was fun. It was interesting because, like, when players are on the cusp of a milestone, there's always, um, you know, PR departments are kind of in charge of, like, getting the ball or tracking down where the ball went. or And so I was having, you know, conversations with Jay's PR just about scenarios where they were in um, previous, you know, getting home runs. I think um, Rich Griffin was uh, talking about the, uh, I think it was Vladdy's home run in 2019, his first home run. 
In San like, Francisco? In San Francisco and like tracking down that ball. And, you know, I think the the kids who caught it just wanted a, a photo with that or whatever. So, but it was, it was, so we were having this conversation thinking like, okay, if Cabrera hits his home run, like what, are, what who's going to catch it? And anyway, mm. it didn't end up happening because it bounced, I think, just outside of the bullpen or into the Tigers bullpen. I didn't see exactly where it bounced. It might have bounced just like in the concourse area that's right beside the bullpen. But anyway, yeah, yeah. someone from the bullpen, the Tigers bullpen, able to grab it quickly. So there was, you know, no need to like get a signed bat from Cabrera and give it to a fan, a lucky fan who got the ball or anything like that. So um it was a it was as good as it could be. And I'm I'm kind of glad that it happened because I kind of wanted to see it. So <laughs> For sure. For sure. Again, that that's the kind of player that you'll always remember that you got to see in that moment in particular. Um, it's funny because a guy who a guy like Miguel Cabrera who has a great reputation for kind of bantering a bit with the fans. I don't know if you remember. Um, where was it? Was it in Chicago? No, it was in Cleveland. There was a kid in the front front rows who was yelling at him and like yelling stuff uh, in Cleveland, obviously. And then Cabrera like took up, took him, engaged him in conversation. And then the kid like changed his tune, went from being like this heckler to being like the biggest Miggy fan in the world. Miguel Cabrera brought him a bat. He brought him batting gloves. And then this kid was like all in. And then they actually showed him, I think it was, was it might have been, might have been Friday um, when they showed him, uh, or no, it was Saturday when the Cabrera was in the on deck circle and just kind of like doing Miggy stuff and just sort of like talking with the, couple guys in the front row and there's a kid like eating popcorn who's just sitting there and Miguel Cabrera is like whatever it's kind of just kibitzing along it was uh yeah he's uh one of my the most fun interviews I ever did was with Miguel Cabrera in the change room he was he was in the in the dressing room or locker room whatever the fuck it's called he was uh he was great and actually Ramon Santiago who's uh who is the is a coach for the Tigers now he actually was a great guy to talk to because like it, a conversation started and then it sort of like carried on and all of a sudden there's all these other people in it. And then, and then I, Santiago, I wouldn't say he pulled me aside, but we got talking. He was like telling me like, you know, what he, what they all think of him as a hitter and like how there's nothing, there's nobody, nobody like him. And this was like 2013. And here he is 500 home runs later. Not like he said 500 home runs since 2013, but 19 years in the big leagues. Great moment. I'm glad that you got to see it, Caitlin. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that that brought a little, put a little joy in your uh, cold, cold journalist heart. <laughs> just, just get me on in, in on deadline. You didn't have to write about it, so that's that's you're able to enjoy it, right? No, I did. I did have to ask Stephen Matz about it though. Doing a big favor for our um, Detroit and another writer here that needed a quote from Stephen Matz, so I had to sheepishly ask the question of Stephen Matz about what was it like to give up the home run to. Miguel Cabrera, his 500. How does it feel to be on that side of the history, Stephen Matz? He what did handled, he say? He handled the question well. He just kind of yeah. laughed and was like, oh, I haven't thought about it. But And then he just kind of described the pitch and basically said it was a pitch change up off the plate. It wasn't even going to be a strike. And he just like reached for it and over over the fence. Not what you want to do in a, in a game you're winning by one run, but... Maybe over time. You'd think with the, the top three offense in baseball, you could maybe weather that. Yeah. But. And maybe over time, Stephen Matz will think it's a cool little footnote of his career, maybe. What was the number I think about? I think the number that, that uh, I heard Ben Wagner say was like 385 different pitchers have given up those 500 home runs. Wow. Interesting. They said it was, he said it was 248 on at home and 252 uh, at home, no, two hundred forty-eight on the road. 
No, wait, whatever. More on the road than at home. Because he played in such a big ballpark for so long. Had well, two big ballparks for almost his whole career. So. Right, yeah. Yeah, the Tigers so was, ballpark is big. It's not a and it used to be bigger. Yeah. It used to be huge. So the old Tiger Stadium, we used to be 440 feet to center field. And then it was like whatever. It was really sharp into the corners and then had that, that famous overhanging upper deck where there'd be balls where the outfielder would be camped underneath waiting to catch it and the ball would land in the upper deck because that's just was a quirk of old Tiger Stadium. So then when they built uh, Comerica Park, they made it similar dimensions in that it was like it used to be, well, I think it still is, 420 feet to center. But then it was way too big. So they built, they built, moved the walls in. They like added a whole bunch of stuff between the old wall and what is the wall now. So cost Miguel Cabrera countless home runs. And then pro player, whether it was pro player stadium or dolphin stadium where the air was so humid and wet and gross. But, uh, again, great player and, uh, and uh, an interesting guy again. I think he uh, turned his life around. Um, cause it was, uh, it was pretty dire there for a, for a while, for a time in the earlier part of the last decade. But that's it. That's all we got. Caitlin, I think we've taken enough of your, uh, your time. You, you walked a mile, <laughs> more than two, one mile. three miles uphill <laughs> the whole way home. Uh, thank you for, for, for persevering and soldiering on here as we're able to record this edition of the show. Um, so. If you are listening to this, and again, as I did the thing at the top, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. I'm sure that Caitlin and the entire athletic team has got lots of exciting things to read this week. And enjoy the baseball games. God, I hope they win one. <laughs> Maybe. Is that too much to ask? Just just for our own just for our own vibes sake. The vibes are in the toilet. We need Teoscar Hernandez to rise up again and uh, set the vibes right. Agreed. Agreed. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. My name is Drew Fair Service. We will talk to you next time on Spinner.